0: Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of The Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for the Filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. You just brought me back to high school. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. i aging
1: myself there, but that's how that goes.
0: That is Rough Gem from Islands, their album Return to the Sea. And uh, we're playing it because we're going to talk about Uncut Gems. It just made the most sense, titularly <laughs> speaking. We also have Bill Graham.
2: Woo!
0: Okay. New year, new woo. And we also have...
2: Did Sorry, just... that took a lot out of me. Oh my Did I just. Kill god. we need to
0: disclose Bill's condition? Bill's drinking a ghost pepper-infused cider for some god-awful reason. So apologies to everyone at home. If At some point, he just goes fucking completely nuts. Back for the first time since our Lion King episode, it's special guest Jesse Hassinger.
3: Hey guys, thank you for having me back.
0: What is up? Glad you could be back. Uh, Why don't you remind all the people at home uh, who you are and what you do on the internet?
3: Sure. Uh, I'm a part-time movie critic. Uh, I'm a contributor to the AV Club, The Week, Polygon, sometimes The Verge nylon and you can um you can find me at twitter at, at @rockmarooned if you like um uh, if you enjoy my weird opinions on this show
0: <laughs> awesome as i said we're here today to talk about uncut gems it's the newest film from good time directors benny and josh safty this the film starring adam sandler that is out in theaters now before we get into that all the and usual and make it some money too i mean like 40 I thought is what I saw 40 million is it 40 already damn that's impressive yeah it's getting there it's only been out since like Christmas yeah well
2: you know them Adam Sandler heads are are out in force
0: (laughs) I mean we should have known when what his like Netflix originals get like 127 million streams on the first weekend (laughs) people hear there's a new Adam Sandler movie out they go to Netflix and they're like I don't see it where is it (laughs) And then after they've watched Murder
3: Mystery twice through to make up for it, then they go out to the theater and see Uncut Gems.
2: Exactly. Well, and then halfway through the film, they're like, where the fuck is like the the luxury island? Yeah, Yeah, where's Swartzen?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Jones isn't in this.
1: I've had some good conversations with people who are not movie fans and got suckered into seeing this. They did not know what to expect.
0: (laughs) Let's
1: put it that way.
0: I can only imagine. Um, before we before we do any more talking about this movie, though, sure. which we are clearly excited to do, the usual stuff. Uh, find us on Facebook, The Film Stage Show at uh, Film Stage Show on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on your podcast apps, where you can give us a comment and a rating. And of course, you can email us podcast@filmstage.com. Don't forget that we are also brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For every day, their fantastic uh, curators bring you a brand new film to watch and enjoy. During that time, you can download it to your phone to watch it on the go. You can stream it on your smart TV, your PC, your whatever. And um, they got some they got some really awesome stuff. They've still got Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's reignite cinema going on, and they have one of his more recent underseen films, Tetro. Oh yeah. Is that the Val Kilmer one? Or no, is that that's the Dakota twist. fanning one? Okay. <laughs> it's isn't the Val Kilmer one is the Dakota fanning yeah, one. Yeah, I
1: think that those
3: are the same. I think oh, uh, yeah,
2: we, don't, we don't talk about that movie in <laughs>
3: household. This has, does this one have Alden Ehrenreich, I think? Like when he's younger?
2: Oh wow. I don't, yeah, think I don't
3: know. So. And it's got it's got someone who's like of the DiCaprio-ish face.
0: <laughs> I will uh, wow. read the synopsis. I... <laughs> um it's starring Vincent Gallo
1: okay
0: yeah uh tetra follows the fresh-faced and naive 17 year old benny who arrives in argentina to look for his long-lost older brother a reclusive playwright whom he hasn't seen in years when benny finds his brother the brilliant but melancholy writer tetro he is not welcomed with open arms yeah. and this was one of those ones where like oh man francis Ford coppola is back with a tiny movie he's gonna do it and then I, I think like youth without youth was next, and then yeah, he did Twixt, and I don't know. The man's making wine money, yeah. And every once he's in a while, he's some just
3: like doing
1: interesting weird stuff yeah. with
3: wine. I mean, you know what? The young the young guy is Alden Ehrenreich. I may be in his first real thing.
1: Oh, interesting. oh wow. I I, I also want to. Uh, sorry, Jesse. Oh no, what we said.
3: I just said Han Solo himself.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. I was going to put in a recommendation for The Return as well. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce that director's name. It's the Russian director uh, who did uh, Leviathan and Loveless most recently, but it's an earlier film. The Return Um, actually saw it in a, in a Russian cinema course um, in uh, college and it's, it's a it's a really good film and then the other thing which I haven't had a chance to see yet but uh was on my radar for a while was something called Tehran uh taboo which is kind of an animated um historical film about the social norms in Iran and that is it a kind movie of exclusive. like it has a, yeah it has a little bit of um I think it's actually wrote a sk- go yes it is a rotoscope like something like uh waltz with Bashir*, which is one of my favorites of the decade
0: nice um i i'm gonna hazard a guess at how to pronounce this name it's andre i
1: don't know brian you weren't quite confident enough
0: ziongan's anyway so yeah, all That's those are on boss. movie for a free 30-day trial. All you got to do is sure. go to MUBI.com slash film stage. Again, that is MUBI.com slash film stage. <sighs> Guys, it's a brand new year. Uh, when we recorded our Skywalker episode, we did not realize that would be the last episode of the year.
1: Woo! So we didn't we also didn't realize it was it would be that long.
0: Of an episode,
1: yes, or between episodes,
0: yeah. There was a lot of stuff that that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was unknown. Sure. Oh boy, um, Bill, have you had a chance to see Skywalker?
2: <laughs> uh, what a shitty, shitty movie!
0: All right, great. So even if we had had you okay. on, it would not have balanced the scales any.
2: <laughs> no, fuck no. I would have. I would have tipped it the other direction. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That's pretty bad. <gasps> Yeah. yeah, it's right. it's not not what you want, as as the kids say. It's not <laughs> what you want.
0: All right. Um. But hey, we have a brand. It's a brand new year. Uh, we are talking about a movie that is technically from last year, but uh, most people probably didn't see into the new year. That is Uncut Gems, the newest film starring Adam Sandler. And it is, again, written and directed by Josh and Benny Safdie um, with co-writer Ronald Bronstein. And here is the trailer.
2: How you doing, Holly? Uh, how's it going? How's it going? Good Pesach,
0: All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back.
2: I made a crazy risk. gamble, gambled. It's about to pay off.
1: So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnet points and rebounds. What do you know?
3: I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet
2: I ever heard of. I disagree.
0: All right. That is the trailer for Uncut Gems. Again, out in theaters now. This movie follows uh, the the trials and tribulations of Howard Ratner, played by Adam Sandler. As he navigates a number of days in his own life, uh during which his plans for his gem shop, his many, many schemes, and his gambling addiction all come to a head to create a feverish stress dream of a nightmare. And we are here to talk about it. When we last spoke about the Safties, we uh were talking about good time, which uh we loved, I think, correct? Uh It
1: was on my, yeah, it was on my top 10. I don't remember where.
0: And now we're back and we're talking about another movie about a scumbag New Yorker scheming and trying to make it ahead of his own life. And uh, let's see what we all thought about it. We will start with our guest, Jesse Assinger.
3: Hi. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm saying I would, before this was maybe somewhat Safdie's agnostic and maybe, still am. Uh, I did like good time. Like you guys, maybe not quite as much as that, but I liked it pretty well. Uh, I hated heaven knows what <laughs> the one they've made before that. Sure. I thought it really late. And I, I just, I found it like just a lot and yet nothing at the same time. <laughs> um, it was doing a lot. And yet yeah, I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it, but you know, this one, they got the Sandman who I am of whom I am. a pretty big fan So, I'm kind of in the tank for anything where Sandler gets to do something that's not his usual shtick, although I've enjoyed some of his usual shtick movies. So, I really love this movie. I was kind of. I feel like it's possible that they can make a movie that I would love more somehow. Maybe if they got like Amy Adams and Yoda or something to be in a movie (laughs) together. (laughs) But, like. Sandler playing a, you know, kind of skeezy, you know, hustling uh, uh, diamond dealer uh, who's addicted to gambling and but in like and yet feels kind of very like a Sandler character in a lot of ways. It's not like a crazy departure. It's just like a lot of this kind of serious Sandler movies like Funny People or Punch Drunk Love or Meyerowitz Stories. He's doing something usually that I think that's pretty in his wheelhouse but it's just in a very different context and the Safdies do a great job of changing that context um, and I yeah I found this movie uh it's it, fun is a weird is a, probably a weird way to put it because I it's very stressful to watch um but I saw it twice I, I and I kind of had a I mean I, I liked it enough to go back for a second time and really you know glory in in all of the uh, and all the stress that I was getting back, even knowing how it turns out at the end.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bill Graham. Yeah. I, uh, I really dug this film. I thought heaven knows what was really interesting, but not a very fun movie-going experience by any means. Um, not heroin to be movies that.
1: are usually so much fun. So Yeah,
2: I, I heroin <laughs> movies uh, focus on the homeless. Uh, you know, real ballpark movie shit for me. I mean, train spotting um, is a blast. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I still haven't seen uh, right. that. But um, anyways. Uh yeah, I didn't really dig heaven knows what, but I definitely in- enjoyed the energy that they brought. Um I was lucky enough to actually uh get to interview them uh at the time. And so that was a lot of fun to kind of see these two guys that were definitely on the rise. Um and then good time was definitely a I wouldn't call it a home run for me because I think at the time when we reviewed it, I mentioned uh it It just makes me wanna take a shower afterwards. <laughs> um that is a dirty, dirty movie. even maybe even more so than heaven knows what, which is focused on the on a couple of homeless people. So you know, uh take from that what you will., uh, but I enjoyed that movie immensely. and uh, this movie, uh, I didn't feel like I needed to take as much of a shower afterwards uh still a lot of that weird scumbag energy going on here uh which i quite enjoyed up on the big screen um how about this kevin garnett can act like (laughs) what the hell um and yeah this film is a lot of fun it's got a lot going for it uh adina manzel i wasn't expecting her to be like are really capable, and she kind of chews up the scenes when she's alongside uh, Sandler. Uh, I don't know. I I was just thoroughly, thoroughly impressed by this film on so many different levels. Uh, the Safdies have been trying to make this movie since like two thousand nine. Um, they had multiple different people in mind at various states, and they at one point had to switch gears entirely because a agent for Kobe Bryant told them that he was interested in starring in movies and they had to do a bunch of research and re jig the entire set pieces and all of these. And they had to figure out like, okay, what game would match? What kind of bets would we do? What's a high-scoring game that would actually happen in, like, the garden or something like that? And you know, they spent the uh, one of the safeties spent like multiple weeks trying to research this, and then got a call from their agent and was like, "Hey, no, he's he's interested in directing now instead." And he was just like oh, uh, okay, cool, all right, bye. Oh, to be you know. extremely rich. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things where they put their heart and soul into these movies. Um, they do a lot of research. They do a lot of groundwork. Um, so you know, uh, if you do some research on the Kevin Garnett game that focuses heavily in this film, uh, you might be surprised that like it's fairly accurate. So yeah, uh. These guys are just getting better each time they make a new movie. So, I'm impressed uh and I dig this film. All right, Michael Snadel. Yeah, you know,
1: the the thing I feel like I keep coming back to with the Safdies as as someone who's kind of liked all of their films um is that they are really deceptively thoughtful and fleshed out and you don't realize it um you know, like I, a lot of people have obviously focused on their side characters, like people that they get for single scenes are just uh, they're just all over the place, like just fantastic. Like, you know, everyone I, I mean, there's obviously bigger actors in some of the smaller roles here. For instance, you have like Natasha Leone for a cameo on the phone. You have Lakeith Stanfield. You have Adina uh, Menzel. And we somehow haven't mentioned Julia Fox, who is fantastic taken over the internet in the past two weeks.
2: Her, her um, is it the New Yorker or is it the New York Times? I can't remember. She's got a, pro, a I mean, she's got a couple of profiles out there, but sure. I, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the New Yorker. I got about halfway through and had to stop and I was just like, Jesus Christ, this woman, <laughs> this is wild shit. Um, you know, and it's, it's from the mouth of, uh, you know, straight from the horse's mouth in that sure. sense. So who knows how much of that is kind of her mystique and mysticism or you know, is that, is all that true, but Jesus, uh, a hell of a person. (laughs) No. And
1: it's, it's, it's just fascinating though. It's not just like people like Julia Fox. I mean, this is obviously her breakout, but even someone like Phil, you know, like the, the goon that Arno has, um, this is his first movie. Like that guy, I could see him playing a, a goon in dozens of movies before this. But I, I mention all that, though, because I think it speaks to their ability to um, just uh, to harness chaos and just finding like this wonderful sense of craft in this. And uh, like Jesse, I actually did see this. Uh, twice as well and the first time like yeah my my stomach was not feeling it but uh the second time i i will say that like i knowing what's going to happen makes it a, a very different experience and you're just kind of able to soak in how the the kind of incredible specificity that's just throughout this i, I mean like it's it's partly the force of nature performance that sandler gives but every single person in here gets a moment. Everybody like even thinking about like the ways that um, potentially like archetypal roles, like his, uh, sorry, his um, mistress or his wife, like both of these could be very easy archetypes and they're not like, uh, they get fascinating scenes that show a sense of like history and that, fully communicate like the destructive tendencies they've seen and either cope with or embrace. So just, uh, just to see all that and uh, just the way that this film is, is built. It's uh, it's, it's really magnificent. And then the thing I would say that I find really interesting compared to good time is, you know, Robert Pattinson's character was also a pretty, terrible person in that but you like you very much saw him scope out a situation plan what to do and then execute and this there's there's no momentary there's no thought process that you see it's just constantly moving forward like uh, Sandler is like a shark like he if he stopped moving he would just die (laughs) And I, I just think that's that's a really impressive impressive pace to keep up for two hours and fifteen minutes. So, yeah, I uh, really love this movie. and uh, I think the second um cemented that it's not only fun but just a really well-made movie.
0: yeah, this movie's fantastic. It's um I, the the Safties have a way of filming. And editing and staging chaos in a way that is chaotic, but doesn't make you feel overwhelmed in a bad way. Like, you still are able to track everything. Sure. And that is impressive as hell. That is Because it would be very easy to just have a scrum of people all talking at once. And just be lost. And then you kind of just have to write off the whole scene. You're like, well, I don't know. They're just telling me that there's a lot going on. But like the opening 15 flipping minutes of this movie, (laughs) beyond the mining disaster that opens it up, is it's it's as though you are with your best friend and you are getting dragged along and you can hear what everyone's saying and you know what's going on. But you are definitely not a part of it and you have Mm. no idea how to cope with it. And that is, that is impressive as all hell. It's it's a trick that a lot of people cannot handle. And it's the reason that you can hang on when you are watching a movie like this. Because otherwise, like I said, you might just be writing off whole scenes. And just saying to yourself, like, all right, well, I don't know what's going on here. And I'm just going to tune out and just realize that, like, there's just a bunch of noise happening. And it's it's a lot of the writing. It's a lot of the acting. It's everything about it just coheres in order to make this really outstanding pulsing symphony of Christ forsaken confusion. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it's, uh, the movie, the movie has one of the, the type of energy that happens in a lot of like my worst stress dreams. And I mean that in a good way. (laughs) It's that's what you're walking. After seeing good time, you're walking into this movie being like, all right, like oh God, like here, I'm gonna get on this roller coaster, I guess. And it, the the ways in which they f- like decide to amp everything up, like the things that they do in order to make that happen, are just crazy. And it's it's the kind of crazy though where you almost don't feel. It's not like in waves where you're you're the movie waves. Where you said, like, oh, I can feel the hand of the author just adding stuff on. Like everything that happens to Howard Ratner in this movie, you're like, well, yes, that is the logical outcome of every choice that this man has made up into his life until now. Um, I don't know, except maybe the part with the weekend. Maybe you can't plan for the weekend, you know, to come into your life in the way the weekend will. But um, other than that, I mean, like this, just like you said, Michael, it's just a feat of writing and directing. I don't know that I like it as much as Good Time, but part of me wonders if it's just that kind of like I saw Good Time and had no idea what I was walking into, mm-hmm. and so maybe I'm I'm still vibing off of the surprise that was Good Time, whereas with this I'm like, oh, you're right, it's the people who did Good Time, so it's Good Time. At this time, it's Adam Sandler, and instead of a bottle full of LSD. It's um a giant black opal stuck in a rock.
1: <laughs> is that a first gems reference for, for the podcast? Is, are we just gonna do this over and over
0: again? I mean, I was just saying what what is what is in there. <laughs> That's literally the MacGuffin <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> and it's this movie is this movie is by turns exhilarating and infuriating. And the infuriating parts are so fun. I watched this on a screener with my brother and we were both shouting at the television. Like it was a football game. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. Love this movie.
3: Did you guys, can I ask, did you guys bring much uh, sports or betting knowledge into this? I know
0: literally nothing about basketball or betting on basketball. Yeah.
2: A little bit about basketball, but not much about betting.
0: So, like, anytime yeah. they're, like, the spread or, like, to cover and blah, 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 I was, I, you know, but th- the movie does a good enough job of showing his reaction to what's going on that I was, sure. I, I knew when it was going well for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I had, uh, I, I had subtitles on the second time. Um, yes, this is screener privilege. Sorry, listeners. But, um... It was it was interesting to do that because after I watched it the first time, I asked a friend, "What what does the tip mean?" Because I didn't I didn't connect that it was just you know the, uh, the fifty fifty, chance right? right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah the, the oh. tip off of the game. I knew what that <laughs> one was. Okay. No, but I just well, fine, fine, Brian, make me look bad. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's uh that's some basic uh basketball knowledge, but that's that's okay, that's okay. Everybody's everybody is uh coming from different places
0: i went to the horse track once and um i was deeply confused i did win one bet but like the first (laughs) bet that i made there was a trifecta and i just thought it was like if if any of these horses get in first second or third then i get money but instead (laughs) then i'm out there and i'm looking and some guy looks at my car and he's like you bet a goddamn trifecta (laughs) you wanted to choose first second and third place in order and i was like oh, is that why it pays out so high if I actually win? (laughs) wow! He said, yeah, I was like, all right, I clearly have no idea what I'm doing here.
1: Yeah. But but no, I I think that's, uh, again, a credit to the movie that, uh, you know, like the, like the whole movie is at times, um, you know, intentionally convoluted, but like given how much of the climax is based on understanding the betting and stuff like that, that again, you don't actually need that knowledge. Like I'm sure it plays a little bit differently because you can be like you fucking idiots, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, the, but still, I thing. think the movie makes it very coherent. I like, think the stakes wise, he, he
0: is laying so many bets mm-hmm. that just the more that he talked, the more I was like, that, that's just too much. Like what the fuck are you <laughs> doing? Like, Because I I, I know people who who love to do the conditional bets. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, you know, who'd you bet to win? He's like, oh, baby, I didn't just bet to win. I bet who would win the coin toss. I bet who would have the most rushing yards, the most passing yards, the most tackles. I bet that they would sack the quarterback four times. And I'm like, that's not betting. That's just (laughs) like that's because I think betting. And I'm like, you must believe that you know what's going to happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't lay that bet. And when you have that many things going on, that's just you being like addicted to blind chance. <laughs> and um, it's true. Like that's, that's how Howard Ratner lives his goddamn life in this movie. Yeah. From the moment you meet him to the moment he goes to like his apartment and is like in his uh, coat closet, <laughs> texting his girlfriend who is in the apartment and he doesn't realize he was there. That is like, it's nothing but nonstop screaming, shouting, and wheeling, dealing, and then it finally gets quiet, and you're like, "Holy shit! How does this man even have the energy to go <laughs> sleep with his incredibly attractive <laughs> younger girlfriend?"
2: Jeez.
3: Oh, well, I think part of what makes it work so well, because I also, you know, I had no idea about any of the betting terms. You know, a few of the basketball terms I caught, but I don't know how all of them would apply to betting that you can tell, like you said, you can tell from context when it, when like that, a six way parlay can't be something simple. <laughs> uh, and, but I think also the safeties are really remarkably good, especially for a, such a long movie at eliding when they need to, because some of these scenes you think, Oh my God, we're never getting out of here. Like he's never going to believe people leave his office. He's talking like six different people, you know, he's on the phone with six different people and there's no release for any of it because none of it's ever resolved. But the safeties are very good about kind of saying like, you know, the, even in the final Sequence when he's watching when you're watching the game and, and you're also watching Julia Fox, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, trying to keep her head down and elude and, uh, people who are after her. And you have Sandler watching the game in another location. You they they skip ahead very quickly. I mean, they don't as much as you're making they're making you sweat. They're also not making you watch an endless scene of people watching basketball. Um, and it's it's kind of deceptive considering how. Uh, you know how much they're able to immerse you in those really stressful scenes, how carefully they're able to choose when to just skip ahead and say, "Okay, you don't need to see the rest of the game, All right, okay, we're we're in the second quarter now. okay, we're in the you know we're in the final moments of the game now. And that I found really uh, smart and just very skillful, kind of unexpectedly skillful, how much they're able to, you know kind of decide when we move ahead and when we need to really linger in some of these moments.
0: I agree that they're editing in that in in those moments is amazing because you when you're when you're watching a movie and it's <laughs> for instance basketball something that I am not interested in I'm like how are you gonna make me care about mm-hmm. this and sure. um you know I've watched sports movies about basketball that I've enjoyed I've watched sports movies about almost every sport because I don't really like most sports <laughs> and You can still get ideas and as long as the filmmaking is on point, you can understand the energy of that scene. Sure. And so much in the same way that I was saying they shoot chaos very well, they shoot the – and it helps that Adam Sandler is a very effusive, reactive presence in this movie. Mm -hmm. He is not – this man has no poker face. He has – there's never a moment where you don't know exactly what's going through his mind. Because he's just that kind of guy. And this character is, is, is stunning in the way that he it is written and also in the way that Sandler performs it. Like, his his eyes, his smile, the way that he, he will do one thing and then turn on a dime and go and, like, dig his hole just a little bit deeper. Because I guess he thinks maybe at some point he's going to strike oil and it's going to fill up the hole and he can swim out. Like, I literally... There were moments in this movie where I was just like, I cannot understand the psychology of a person who's doing this. It's (laughs) just
2: the worst possible thing. it's, It's a guy that dug himself a very deep hole. And the only way to get out of that very deep hole is to either keep digging and hope that one of those digs you just fucking find gold for some reason you know and then you pay Um,
0: someone to get you out of that hole but that's the crazy thing about and you know we'll talk about it more in spoilers but like a a lot of this movie is just him causing more problems for himself sure in a way where it's it's not like you know an angry god has cursed him it's just like he's just an idiot who keeps doing these things and every once in a while you're like maybe he does know what he's doing because presently it seems as though maybe he is on top of things but it's just so nuts it's so friggin nuts and there's there's so like the 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 inciting incident in this movie is him receiving this black opal and showing it to kevin garnett and garnett being like can i hold it for like a day you know i like feel connected to this and him just sure. being like uh sure yeah like i guess so uh,
2: yeah. I feel like there's a lot more to that scene than him going. Yeah, sure. sure. Well, yes. Cause
0: again, <laughs> that's one of those chaos scenes where like 14 different things have happened. And he's like, again, just trapped by his own poor decision making.
2: Sure. Sure. And, should um, he have should he let Kevin Garnett walk out of this room with a giant fucking opal? No, he should not, definitely not. Never, never, no, don't do that. <laughs> that's a bad, bad idea. Yeah, that was one of those right?
0: points where my brother and I were just like, What are you doing? That's a t- yeah. like, just tell him no. And then he gets his game, is uh his playoff ring, and then he really yeah. goes and pawns it. Yes, he does. And I'm just like, Well, that's even real crazier. fucking scary
2: <laughs> Yeah. And I don't I don't understand like uh, I mean I I guess what it is at that point is basically he pawns it with the assumption that they're never going to fucking sell it and just give me some hard cash and then I'm going to turn that cash into more cash and then come back to you and give you give you whatever you want.
0: His whole life is a Ponzi scheme, but he's (laughs) the only one who's going to get
1: screwed by it when (laughs) it all collapses. Yes. (laughs) it's kind of amazing too because like you know this is obviously mostly about but like Ian Begosian's character trying to get the money but like there are like multiple other people we know about who he owes money who get like a minute in this movie like for instance like the guy who uh, helps him get into the the VIP area mm-hmm. uh where the weekend is like, he's like, Oh, where's my, uh, Michael Jackson cross, <laughs> which we see like, you know, near the beginning or, or you have the two people who I swear looked like they looked like the Garfunkels to me, <laughs> but I think it's <laughs> Judd Hirsch and someone, mm-hmm. someone else. But, um, either way, so, like is- there's so many other things that are not even at the center that it's clear that even if he wasn't, it wasn't being you know squeezed for the money by these guys there'd be other people at his door begging for money <laughs>
2: So w- one thing that I found out some little insider behind the scenes stuff that I found really interesting uh, and, you know, going into this, I would have found really interesting having this knowledge ahead of time. So uh, maybe this can kind of help some listeners before they see the film, if, if that's what they're listening for. Um, but. The Safties usually when you do ADR on a film, you just have a couple of pieces of dialogue that you need to kind of fill in and you know, just some some background stuff here or there that got missed. Um, usually it's like a couple of pages. And uh I think they were working with like Scott Rudin on this film. I think he's a producer mm-hmm. um in some capacity, and they were headed into the ADR on this film and they had like 54 pages of ADR, just random snippets of dialogue that they were going to record. Different people were going to come in and just make some noise because at a certain point they realized what was missing. They, they started in the edit and they were realizing that something was just missing some kind of tactile nature. And they were like, Oh yeah, it's all the background chatter. That we didn't really capture because we're on a fucking movie set (laughs) and you know, you, you just call quiet on the set and everybody shuts up, you know? Um, and they realized that they wanted that kind of background chatter throughout all of these sequences. And, they they send in like these 53 pages of ADR and and Rudin and his associates were like what the fuck is this what what are you doing you're recording a new movie like what's going (laughs) on here and they were like no no no. that would
0: be the type of thing that happens if like massive reshoots and you're just like yeah every time that crucial plot information is given while the cameras pointed at the back of a character's head that's ADR because they're like okay so we've changed the entire plot and now we have to have them speak four lines of dialogue or we just shoot the back of their head. Yes. Yes. But in this case it was just we need we need the flavor. We need that reality. Mm-hmm. that's insanity i can't imagine that that must have been horrifying for the producer to see
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on why are you doing 53 pages of adr we did not budget for any of this what the fuck and it's just like uh, ah, no we'll, we'll we'll just hire people off the street it'll be good like we'll give them we'll give them 30 40 bucks and uh they get a line in a movie like well you know everybody wins so yeah
0: that's the type of thing that Howard Ratner would say. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I wonder how
0: much of them is in characters like Howard Ratner and um and uh the the character that Robert Pattinson played in Good Time.
2: Yeah. Like you, this you mean running the, gunning
0: the Yeah, like how much like how much are they like So this is us if we were evil, right? Like this is our dark uh, universe.
2: I, I mean I mean it- from if you listen to interviews, and so I don't, I don't want to bring my impressions of them too much because a that was a, a long fucking time ago, and uh, if you know anything about Goldfish Brain Bill, um, <laughs> you know he can't remember too much. But they were they were both very like super fucking intelligent, very like on their game, but also had this kind of slick nature to them where everything that they, they were just really good fucking storytellers and that can get you pretty far in a lot of circles, right? Like Mm -hmm. that can, that can have you shaking hands with a lot of people if you can just tell really good stories. And so that's, that's kind of them um, to the, both of them. Um, They, they work as a tandem. They both are very intelligent and just have that kind of, um we're going to make it work kind of uh energy about them so yeah i don't i don't know
3: there's also i, I don't know if what i don't remember what interview it was i read but i feel like i read a bit about them that made it sound like their father had you know was not necessarily in this world it was not necessarily certainly not necessarily the rock penson in good time world but had a little bit of this that they you know sort of was maybe their uh, you know, sort of their gateway or their entree to some of those types of some of those aspects of the kind of, if, you know, if, super, if, talk, if my, super hustle kind of worlds of New York that they're t- t- portraying in these movies. Mm-hmm.
2: If, if I'm not mistaken, I think their father was actually related to, um you know, it ha- was involved in this New York city kind of jewelry scene. I can't remember what it's, what it's called. They the, called diamond it district. the diamond district. Correct. It's a 47th and, street, I think and uh this place has kind of a legendary what's michael laughing at (laughs) that that brian just just knows just
1: yeah brian it's you're too predictable
2: (laughs) i'm sorry i got this answer to this i get new york and
0: washington (laughs) and you get chicago
2: all right
1: all right
0: and bill gets (laughs) dallas if we ever get a movie that happens we know who wins this one
1: (laughs) dallas obviously yeah support the girls (laughs)
2: um anyway moving on uh so yeah his their father was loosely connected to the diamond district and they they tell a funny story about and and it's funny but it's also like whoa um they tell a story about how they knew about the diamond district in that um what you would do if you wanted to rob some of these people is you would do a slow tire leak, basically where you would puncture someone's tire of a jeweler that was about to get in their vehicle. You would wait. They would go drive to their destination, go go get their goods, drive off, and because it was a slow leak, they would end up uh, with a flat tire on like the turnpike, and that's when you would go rush them and grab all their goods and then take off that's a smart, and they were like that's a smart play i like it. it's a smart play and they were like they were talking about how like like this was the world that they kind of heard about growing up and sure. so it's it's just like you know it's it's a very fast and loose very just run and gun world especially in the diamond district and how they kind of play with a lot of things. Um, And so that's, that's kind of the energy that they knew from the diamond district because of their kind of, uh, you know, elders. And so that's what they wanted to bring to this area. Um, In fact, they were very proud about the fact that like, I guess this is like the first or second film that's ever even had sequences shot in the diamond district um something along those lines because the diamond yeah District i read, I read just, about that yeah yeah they just don't want people in there with the uh, movie cameras like they, no, um, we, we, got, we got a lot of business to do they had a, an interview
0: and now I, I i gotta start saving these things because i always feel terrible <laughs> and i'm like i read an interview can't remember where um i want to say the website was sort of green but so they had an interview as, as
2: in like that was the color scheme or yeah like-
0: was, i think there was like some green on it
2: i thought you
1: were saying it was
0: like a weed website oh no i it was like it's not a new website i just feel like there was some like they had a green scheme anyway so
2: so it's probably collider but who the fuck knows
0: (laughs) maybe it could have been yeah um or it could have been i don't know like the ringer or something (laughs) i feel so bad (laughs) now so but what i so okay first of all wait a second me knowing that the the district wherein the diamond shops are is called the Diamond District does not feel like deep New York esoteric knowledge, okay? That feels pretty on the money to me. Why are you and so I,
1: defensive
0: about it? I don't know. This? It's just like, that's the thing that we're going to call me out for? Hey, Brian, what's the district where all the diamond shops are? Oh, you mean the Diamond District?
2: Oh,
1: right. um, oh,
0: right. I will say that I did correctly call it. It is 47th street. Uh, so that's a little more, that's a little more distinctive. So
2: yeah, we, we shotgun approached that criticism and you were like snipered in on, oh, diamond district. And it was like, well, we, I mean, we were, we were kind of all of that, all of that situation. Yeah, but, so okay. I've
0: defended myself and then indicted myself in the same moment. Um, but they were saying that they, they did a documentary about a street photographer, and they were on 47th Street and they're like, you know, you ever shoot around here? He's like, no, people will chase you if you pull out a camera here because, um, yeah, they either think you're casing the place or you're like trying to see who's buying stuff
1: so you can rip them off later. What if yeah. this was all uh, it, this was all a distraction and for a heist, they pulled some big heist. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude, first of all, again, that just would go to prove my point about how the Safties may actually be Robert Pattinson <laughs> and Howard Ratner. Also, I would then watch the Safdie Brothers directed movie about the Safdie Brothers directing movie just so they could heist the Diamond District.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah I'm, I'm into that too. That's some real
0: <laughs> ARG, you know...
2: What, one awesome. one more amusing uh, anecdote. Uh, so w- one of the safties and most of this interview uh, was on the ringer, uh, the big picture, um, and it's it's a really really good conversation if you want to listen to that podcast, um, but. Don't they were talking the podcasts about podcasts on our podcast. What are you doing? Well, I mean, you were you were trying to plug a a movie website about yeah, but interview. I don't remember what it is. So <laughs> my my sources are good, Brian. Sorry. Um. Anyways, uh, they were talking about how uh one of the staffies was talking about how he went to go visit wardrobe to go see I think a costume that like Julia Fox was gonna wear or something like that. And they were walking down a couple of blocks in New York and they saw a trailer and they noticed that like the street was like blocked off and they were like, oh, motherfucker, like who else is shooting in New York right now? (laughs) And and so uh, he saw one of his P.A.s and the P.A. was like, yo, what are you looking for? And he was like, I'm looking for Julia's trailer. And they were uh, he was like. Oh yeah, it's it's right down here and he was like, "Wait, we have this block?" And he was like, "Yeah, we got this block, bro." And he was just like, "Oh shit. Like we're the nuisance in New York City now." Like because he was talking about how like anytime you see like a trailer or like sometimes these streets get blocked off and all of a sudden, that's like a no go for any kind of filming that you can do in that area, because mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't want the trailer in there, and you know it's making a bunch of noise, and there's always like crew moving around, and you know doing official business. And he was just like, "Man, this is gonna be such a pain in the ass," not realizing like it was all, his it's own like fucking that, trailer system. It's like that
0: one year that like two different colossal movies were filming in Marfa, Texas. <laughs> Can you just imagine it's like, all right, good news. We've got Marfa, Texas, population seven. Yes. Um, you know, we're we're gonna be able to shoot everywhere. And then it's like, okay, great. Um, are you no country for old men or are you there will be blood? Because <laughs> you're both here.
2: <laughs> I was watching um I was, watch- luckily, I was watching. Luckily both of those films star like fifteen people. So yes. that helps.
0: I was watching how to make it in America. A a really, does anyone even know what the hell that is? Is that the Kid Cudi show? First of all, he's like a secondary character. Okay. All right, fine. The Kid Cudi is in that show. Yes. Um, how to, how to make it in America is I, for, for some reason, I really like that show and I'm sad that it only got two seasons. It's one of those, it's like bored to death almost. And it's, it's one of these shows where it's just like, you watch it and there is drama, but you also feel like everything's always going to be okay. You know? And I don't know why, but that appeals to me. But anyway, they, they shoot it in New York and on streets and there are people. And I constantly wonder like, so do you just have like a camera and you're just shooting and you're just, you're assuming that everyone in New York is jaded enough that they don't give a shit and won't look into the camera. Yeah. I'm, I guess. People
2: got places to be. <laughs> I guess. I
0: guess. I don't
2: know. Okay. Um, I want to ask this. Um, where's everybody at on Adam Sandler as like an actor? Oh, that's
1: an interesting question.
2: Okay.
0: That's, that is a great question. Uh, I'm going to throw to our guest, Jesse. What <laughs> do <you think> of?
3: <laughs> I'm so happy you asked actually, because that's really the main reason I want to talk about this movie is yeah. how much I love Sandler as an actor. Um, I think, you know, i I'm, uh, I'll say that, you know, I have I have always kind of liked Sandler going back. You know, I was I was 14, 13, 14, 15 when he was on SNL. Um, So, you know, even when that show got really bad and it it did get really bad when he was sort of when he and Farley and some of those other guys were sort of the leads on the show. It was some of their worst years ever. And even watching at the time, I remember thinking that even as like even as a teenager, even as a teenage boy who liked Sandler and Farley, there was a feeling of like, oh, yikes, this is not going well. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so I, I remember liking the Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and all those, you know, the early ones um, and, and really kind of pulling for him, even though, you know, he hadn't done the best work on SNL or, you know, his work on SNL was often good, but the show was not at its best when he was on it. Um, so I kind of go back way back with liking him. And it's interesting to me, uh, the ones that are kind of thought of as good ones now, I think, as, as the as the critical community has, like, you know, gotten probably average age younger in the past 20 25 years you know people i don't think billy madison or happy gilmore are as thought of as like terrible movies anymore but at the time they were really they got as bad reviews as their their reviews were as bad as something like jack and jill or blended or whatever mm. that now seems like so much worse um but they were not well like movies but i remember liking them a lot and sort of as sort of a you know they're kind of like jv wayne's world you know which is <laughs> like a big deal to me uh, you know as a, as a 12 13 year old and then the sandler movies were not even again even as a teenage boy i knew these were not as good as wayne's world but you know myers wasn't doing a lot of movies and carvey's movies sucked so it's like all right sandler's movies they're pretty good <laughs> um and you know you can he's you know did a lot of those kind of movies for a long time uh to, often to decreasing uh returns in terms of quality the movies were very big hits um, but I really. You, love...
2: You back off of Big Daddy. <laughs> uh,
3: no, no. Oh no, I would. I would say. I would say the Little downturn Nikki? happens later. I like Big Daddy. <laughs> oh
2: no, not Little Nicky. <laughs> I like that. Little that Nicky. That's a I dope have... soundtrack. But no, no to that movie.
3: Little Nicky's all right. It's I mean it, there's there's invention in that movie that's much I think much further than what to me the Sandler kind of downturn in as comedies goes actually happens around after Punch Drunk Love, which I also love. Okay. Um, where he starts playing more kind of aggressively regular guys. Instead of playing the kind of misfit weirdos like Little Mickey, he's really going for it with that performance. Like Gil Graham from SNL voice. uh, His face is twisted into a sneer, the whole movie. It's I, I understand why people don't like it, but it's like it's definitely doing something. You know, the voice in the water boy, it's definitely doing the Cajun Man thing. It's he's like they are just kind of like de facto SNL sketches. They're like often thinly sketched SNL characters that he didn't even really develop that much in the show turned into, unofficially turned into these movies. But when he starts playing like a regular guy in, you know, circa anger management, click. Right, it's Yeah, <laughs> what's that? Spanglish. Spanglish I think he's good in, but like the, when his, his comedies where he's doing the broad comedy thing but playing this kind of suburban dad guy. Sure. You start to really see this kind of, you know, that what used to be was kind of cool in his movies that he would cede the spotlight to to funnier supporting characters. Starts to seem really lazy in his kind of, two, you know, I would say in his 2000s movies where he just seems like not interested in being funny. And his version of telling jokes is just kind of like making kind of cranky, sour remarks. Hmm. Um you know, And I, it's this kind of increasingly moneyed kind of position. You know, he's increasingly positioned as a character who's moneyed and successful and has a hot wife yeah. younger than he is, uh, which is always, you know, it's very rarely commented upon. And that stuff I do. I found really lazy and kind of sour. Um, but when he would periodically do these more serious things even when the movies weren't very good i always think he there there is something he has a kind of a pathos about him and that stuff kind of goes away you know even in funny people where he is playing this moneyed guy who's very privileged and successful uh he really gets at that kind of kind of bitterness and and anger that you can see beneath a lot of comedians and even though sandlers by all accounts a great guy i think that certainly you can see that in his movies there's sometimes his movies even his kind of supposedly sweet family comedies, seem kind of bullying um, in their way but in funny people you can see him getting scratching you know scratching at that kind of instinct even though i think he thinks of that as being a very big departure from who he is as a person in punch drunk love. You can see him sort of, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson sort of recontextualizes the misfit, uh, you know, his sort of misfit Goonie kind of performance into someone who's a lot more sad and sort of wounded. And then I love, you know, so these things would happen kind of, Periodically, every five or six years, you get like a like a serious Sandler movie, um and, and you know, like you, someone mentioned Spanglish. That's that's totally not a very good movie. um But you know, in the, even a couple years ago, with Meyerwitz Stories, the Noah Baumbach movie, mm, I think yum. he's so good in that movie. And again, it's pretty similar. It's pretty much the Sandler wheelhouse. He's kind of a man child. Uh, you know, like in a lot of his later movies, he like his good his character strength that he's a, he's a good dad um he you know he does little he doesn't does little songs on the piano kind of like they kind of call back to his snl shtick with the guitar but it's such a sweet and shaded performance as this guy who has not really lived up to whatever potential he's maybe presumed to have had being the son of a you know talented somewhat talented artist um and I think that performance is wonderful. So I, I really think in the right, I think I think almost anyone who does acting for a long time tends to get better at it. But I do think there's been this, you know, this growth uh, you can see in Sandler. That's it's harder. It was hard to chart for a while because he did so many crummy comedies and did so few, you know, kind of non-crummy comedy, non-comedy, not non-crummy movies. But even in you know in his Netflix his recent Netflix movies there's a you can see him playing in a different key. I really loved actually his movie The Week of, which I feel like nobody. I mean, sure people must have watched if they watched Murder Mystery by the hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever. Um, but it's this movie that didn't get a lot of attention where he plays a dad whose daughter is getting married. And see that sounds Chris like Chris so Rock cool.
2: is in yeah, that Chris one.
3: Chris Rock is like the the mother the, sorry, the father of the of the groom. OK, uh, you, it seems like, oh, it's going to be some kind of thing where the, their best friends or their daughters are good. Their, their daughter and son are getting married or they are at odds or whatever. And they're odd odds a little bit. But it's actually this very well observed little story about uh, this family on Long Island that Sandler plays the head of very well. It helps that it, it was written and directed by Robert Smigel, who's a lot, I think, a lot more on the ball than some of Sandler's other collaborators. But it's a very sweet movie, and it's a really... I found it really moving, and his performance in it is really pretty wonderful. its it's just feels a little more, you know, sort of a little minor key, a little more nuanced than he usually gets. Um, so it's great to see him in something like Uncut Gems, where he's really, like... It's not just sort of smuggled into a smaller movie, but he's really sure. giving this, like crazy, uh, you know, uh, crazy, but not really over the top performance. It's just, it it just feels a lot more on, you know, you don't, it's, he's doing a lot of stuff you don't see in his, in his more kind of family friendly comedies. And there's is weirdly, I feel like there's a connection to this other work uh, because he is playing someone who's sort of, you know, he's in a kind of privileged position and is sort of, you know, trying to become even wealthier. And it's this kind of twisted, Downside to the the kind of unquestioned wealth you see in a lot of his you know movies like Click or Fifty First Dates or Blended, where they're all these like kind of you know, they're just kind of taken as as a given that he's this wildly successful guy. Sure. Um, Jack and Jill, his like his non non drag character in that that is is insufferably horrible, like, uh, you know, this kind of rich asshole that the movie does only sort of understands as an asshole. But so seeing him as Howard Ratner, who's this guy who wants that level, he kind of wants the level of wealth that a regular Adam Sandler hero or Adam Sandler himself has. <laughs> and I just that really that's like a weird, interesting tension. I don't even know if Sandler himself is necessarily thinking of it that way, but I found it really interesting to watch.
1: So do you, I just, I'm, I'm curious as someone who has like really kept up with Sandler, I mean, do you kind of place this in the mode of those more serious things like, uh, like punch drunk love, like, uh, like the Meyerowitz stories or even like, uh, you know, Sandy Wexler or something, or do you think this is something that, uh, because people don't keep up with Sandler, like is something that does feel like an evolution of something more recent he's doing.
3: I mean, I do think there that you can see an evolution in the last few years. Um, I think it's easier to see because there are just more interesting movies the last five years or so of Sandler's career. So I don't think it's, you know, completely like, oh, Sandler's just doing his thing in a better movie. I think it's sort of a combination of him uh, you know, willing to Push himself a little bit, but also just willing to. I think he's seems. I don't know. His his work the last few years, even before this movie, to me struck me as a, as more thoughtful and a little more reflective. Um, hmm. And you can see that in Funny People a little bit. But then he did like a bunch of sh- real shitty movies after that. one.
1: <laughs> Dennis Dugan is usually the problem. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, even I mean, I if the, my thing is I can't even can't even tell with his movie they're so hit and miss that I can't even tell who the good ones are. Like Dugan <laughs> will make. He made Happy Gilmore. That's a really funny movie, and sure. he made Jack and Jill, which is not a very funny movie. <laughs> right. What, Wait, have what you, about guys, you? Have you guys like kept up with uh, with the? I see. There's no real award in it until recently. You know, <laughs> how, what are you guys? What are your level of Sandro, Sandlerology? <laughs> so when I was a
0: kid, Sandler was like baby's first inappropriate movie. Yeah, you know so like i I, I don't know uh, i was like in elementary school i go over to my friend's house and it's like oh yeah like we're having a sleepover um and like so and so's brother got happy gilmore or maybe not happy gilmore but maybe like billy madison sure and we're gonna watch it it's like oh shit this is great and i have a lot of friends who were bad people (laughs) and Jesus Christ that is I've told stories I don't think it's a shock for me to say I have some friends who have done objectively horrible things in their lives and who lived their lives in a way where you would look at them and say that person is going to die very young um or they're just going to be an asshole for the rest of their life and then you see them grow up and you can see or feel the weird person that they used to be underneath the layers of maturity that they've had to cultivate as they've realized that they cannot be this idiot for the rest of their life. And um, that's what I get when I look at Adam Sandler. Now <laughs> I think that he can still get away with being the idiot, but I feel like in his more muted dramatic roles, you can almost feel him saying like yeah i had that i i used to be the guy who would you know do the job do type of thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: was oh, boy. <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> thank you Wow. But,
0: but like i can't like i'm old now you know like i had to grow up like i cannot like you know maybe he had a kid or something and he's like oh god i cannot keep fucking doing this like i have to i have Peter- to age into who i am and uh, so I, it's weird. It almost like grows my affection for him because it's mm. like, sure, he will still occasionally do like, I don't know, a terrible next Netflix movie. But then he'll do something like this or like the Meyerowitz stories. And you'll just go like, yeah, like this. is He can do this. But those other ones are like when the friend is like, oh, you know, my, my wife and kids are going to my in-laws for like a week and I'm I'm all alone. So like maybe we should hang out. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that could be a real I remember last idea. time. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I think in the, if, I read that that big New York Times profile of him. I think it was and, the
0: New Yorker, wasn't it?
3: Uh, well, there was definitely like a Times Magazine one of him. Oh,
0: okay.
3: Um, and he, what's what's important to remember about him, I think, and that the profile really gets at is that he doesn't think of, you know, his comedy movies as like, oh, I'm just doing some lazy paycheck cash-in, like, whatever. like He, you know, genuinely thinks they're funny and wants to do funny fun movies with his friends, and that's, you know, I just think maybe his sensibility got... So I don't, you know, I try not to give give him the bad faith reading that I think a lot of critics do, where they say, ah, he's just showing up and sleepwalking through it for the paycheck, you know. Uh, He wants to get his buddies paid, although I think he does probably want to get, you know, in, in a more sandwine kind of way that he wants to make sure his friends, who he works with, are get, still get work. But yeah, I think it's less that he's, uh, you know, getting kind of mischievous or whatever, as so much as he tends to think, yeah, this is like this is a fun movie for us to make and a fun movie for my fans to see or whatever. But there was just a period of time, or I mean, four or five years at least, where that stuff was just, you know, it didn't feel like the inspiration was there. It just kind of felt very kind of sloppily sentimental. And, you know, in addition to not being that funny, like you know, and there was kind of a sense of like, okay, Sandler's kind of dutifully playing the dad who learns a lesson and kind of shoving off the shtick to like, Oh, well, we'll call a Nick Schwartz, and he'll come and do a thing. And then it'll be funny. He'll be an inappropriate waiter. Yeah. (laughs) Even for him. But I think what's cool about One Chad Gems is there's a, as much as it's more a more you know it's a more interesting movie. It's also there's like kind of a sense of that kind of crazy energy of his older movies because uh, this character is not like the guy Meyerwitz, who's you know sort of kind of you know he has a bit of a rest of development, but there's sure. a kind of peacefulness to his character a kind of you know gentleness that I think Baumbach teased out of that role really well. Uh, Howard Ratner is more in terms of his kind of. Id-like compulsions is much more like someone like Happy Gilmore or, uh, you know, or, the, um, you know, I guess Billy Madison or someone who's one of the ones who's like a little more prone to screaming or rage or sure. whatever. Uh, and I found that really fun that he's tapping into into that kind of in a different way, because those the, that's the worst Sandler to me is when he's in one of his own movies playing the kind of, you know, regular guy who is actually very rich in his, you know, just it, it, that's when you start to think, oh, is he, is he sleepwalking through yeah. this?
1: I think it's fascinating too, that uh, like there are, I think there's a version of this uh, Sandler archetype that would be glorified and would not be someone who is condemned by the other characters in the film. Right. Um. And, and it would be like this weird punching down humor, you know, where someone becomes a really cartoony villain who's in his way or, you know, just making life vaguely difficult from, for him. So it's... It's, it's really a good, kind of fascinating to me, like just how this works in relation to, you know, as a, as a star study, like in the same way I, you're talking about, like, uh, for instance, when you see Jim Carrey do dramatic roles, like he's, I find that so fascinating, even when it's truly terrible things like the number 23 just it's fascinating. Oh, 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 that fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> just cause it, it, uh, it's so easy to, as you're as you're saying, Jesse. Like I think it's it's really widespread that there, you know, in some cases, it's some critics sleepwalk through every new Sandler uh, excursion in terms of writing that. Ooh. And 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 again, I don't mean. I guess I don't mean. No, I guess I do mean shade there. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's
2: good. It's good shade. It's good shade. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: What I'd say seriously, though, is that I feel like I've seen a decent amount of Sandler when I was younger. I liked him. I definitely had that like forbidden fruit thing a little bit with it, like that and like dumb and dumber around the same time. And i and I just remember like seeing those and feeling like I was seeing something again, I wasn't supposed to, what whether it was like for a sleepover, or just like, Oh, I just happen to rent this, or you, you know, or my my dad let me rent this because my mom didn't take me to the video store. Um, but like, I I think it's I, I feel like I've seen a decent number of the ones that are considered bad. Like, I really wanted to know how bad Grown Ups is. Turns out, Grown Ups is pretty bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like uh, you know, but then I, I, I saw things like uh like I've seen one of the Hotel Transylvania's, I've seen um oh geez, Well, I mean
2: Jesus, That's my that's, boy. I've seen that's, parts that's of Jack Jindy and Tarkovsky. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course that one's like Yeah, Hotel not Transylvania
0: bad. is pretty is a pretty solid series.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it
0: is it's very much uh
3: informed by Sandler's weird Uh, you know, family man. It's a really interesting kind of tug, tug of war between Tarkovsky's uh, really wild visual sensibility and Sandler wanting to do, you know, he has, he brings all his buddies into play. You You have all the monsters or the famous monsters of, of film land. And they're all like, oh my nagging wife doesn't want me to go gamble it's like yeah this is real relatable (laughs) sandler (laughs) monster like wanting to go gamble on a cruise ship or whatever well sandler's
0: Uh, one of those actors that like people are always quietly like i think he's a conservative
2: yeah. <clears throat> oh, I think,
3: yeah i think he's i think he, I, I don't know how he feels about the current uh you know uh insanity kind of stuff but i i'm, I'm pretty sure he donated to to george w back in the maybe in the 04 i don't know uh, 2000, I, I don't picture him being especially politically active in 2000 but i think he felt you know the uh, You know, post nine eleven was probably uh, you know pretty yay Giuliani, yay George W. Bush. Uh, I I imagine he's one of those guys who considers himself not political uh, and and, like doesn't realize that that's also being political. I I I feel feel
1: like
0: that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Like, oh, you're just in hell. Is like when you're like, I don't know, I'm I'm not trying to be political right now, and then someone says, well, that's being political.
3: (laughs) But Yeah, I think there is there is a conservative streak to some of his work, especially some of those comedies where there's, you know, like I said, there's kind of a, I hate like I, I hate to get super prescriptive about like oh well, it's not funny if you're punching down because I don't know sometimes sure. I feel like it is, but uh, <laughs> but similar <laughs> Sam, stuff definitely, especially as he you know, when he ages out of playing the kind of miscreant where he can be a little more of the butt of the joke, he's, he is often the butt of the joke, even in his kind of crummier movies. But sure. I remember Ups too, in particular, there's like, it's not even something he does, but he, you know, he has the credit, uh, the co-writing credit on the screenplay for that. Like Maya Rudolph, of all people who everyone they loves has this terrible yeah. subplot where she like, with climaxes with her, like, Triumphantly screaming, like in telling off some like lady who looks like a man for like who you know like it's
0: just like
1: wait a second
0: can you can you walk me through that again? She climaxes (laughs) while telling off a lady who looks like no no I'm sorry the climax of
3: that story like the the kind of her little subplot is like. Oh, she has this rivalry with this slightly mannish woman—the woman who you, you kind of might code transgender. I don't know. I don't think that was the intention, sure. but that's kind of how it comes across. And like how that's resolved is like there's this scene where she just like yells at her triumphantly, and like and kind of slags her off, and
0: it's like, wow, that was. Did she to be yell like, at her think, because she looks like a man, or just I mean, because? I think, they,
3: I think the the person behaves badly towards her, or but it's it just feels like an excuse, you know? It's that kind of bullying sure. sensibility where it's like. Oh, this person was, you know, looked at me wrong, so it's appropriate for you to like s- scream at them, and it's yeah, it's a, that's that 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 vein is definitely there in his work, and I think that's yeah. in in the more more recent Netflix stuff, I feel like that it feels a little more this stuff feels a little more gentle and it feels a little more good-natured again, which is how I kind of... I mean, I couldn't tell if it's just youthful memories, but I never felt like Happy Happy, Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison felt like mean-spirited movies. They're very silly movies. And, you know, I'm sure not the most evolved stuff. I'm sure there's stuff, if you go back and watch it now, you're like, you might be a little bit yeesh. I know there's a lot of gay panic bullshit and, and even Little Nicky. Um yeah. But I, I feel like there, that it did kind of feel like a meaner streak in some of his later works. Really, I warms.
0: feel like the it's entire... Time. I feel like the entire appeal of those movies was how mean they were.
3: Well, they're mean, but they're often, you know, there's sort of, you know, there's like kind of a collection of kind of goofy, weird supporting characters. And Sandler himself is always sort of one of them, you know, by the end of it. And in his later ones, it kind of feels like he's more, you know, the, the regular guy being like, ah, get a load of these goofball idiots or whatever. I don't know. There's something later ones that makes me a little more uncomfortable about his, you know, how he feels about his characters.
1: I, mean, I see, I think, I feel like the difference too is that, like, you know, like I think of the, uh, the bus going over the cliff gag in, is that Billy Madison? Oh, Doyle is that what that one is? Rules. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, and that is like, it's goofy and kind of mean spirited. But then you think of something like the do over. And I think about, like, the fundamental plot of the do over, like, um, oh boy, the like the, the way that his wife dies. What? Is that what I'm thinking of? Um, well, in
3: in the do-over he I think in the do-over it's spade is a guy a little kind of henpeck guy and sandler they fakes their deaths yes uh you find out eventually the sandler of course the sandler character is this wonderful family man who's maybe who was thought he was dying of cancer so I don't know some bullshit but spades character in that and again this is something it's not directly in sandler's character but it's sure. something he's responsible for is the guy helping make the movie spades character has a real like oh women are always fucking me over you know kind of thing running through it and you're just like guys this is not this is not as endearing as i mean probably for a certain member of his audience it is very endearing but i found it pretty grotesque
0: that means so it's okay so is that movie like a weird in the company of men type of film (laughs) (laughs) in the company of men is a movie that i love because so much of the movie.
1: We're well, we so in the weeds right now. We're talking
2: I was, about Adam Sandler. About to try, try and drag us back out and, the, and just come okay, in with the no, weed In the, backer, the weeds but, is, yeah. it, is
0: when we're talking about like the Muppet Show when we should be talking sure. about uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. All the right, fact that we fine. are digging into the persona of Adam Sandler <laughs> sure. means sure. that we are 100% not in the weeds. We may be at the edge of the garden. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes we're looking at the. Oh, okay,
0: fine <laughs> but no in the company Wait. of men is is a movie that if it got released today would be called like problematic and misogynist and i'm sure it was called that previously but the end of that movie is showing the absurdity of these men and one of the men in particular where it's like oh your hatred of women will make you a target for other people who just want to bully you and yeah. you will let that happen and like that's it's 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 a legitimately great movie, and so to hear that Adam Sandler made something that's sort of like that, but that it's, it's, maybe doesn't realize it is kind it's of shocking the unexam- me. yeah. It's it's the it's the
3: unexamined version of that. It again to to like in the I don't want to spoiler alert for the do-over, I guess <laughs> uh, in the in the last ten minutes, there's literally a scene where Spade is like fighting a woman because she turns out to be a bad guy, and he literally yeah. screams, "I'm so tired of women fucking me over all the time." It's pretty ugly stuff.
0: That is interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, So I do. If if Spade ever does a serious movie, we can circle back to that. (laughs) (laughs) What
0: you didn't see, Joe Dirt?
1: (laughs) Um, So let's. Spade never done a serious role.
3: He never. He. He did. I don't think he ever. I follow these guys pretty carefully. I don't think he ever has done one. Now.
0: That's pretty weird. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Has he I mean, has what, either, what, what he even ever had like a just a bit part thing. in a serious movie? Not
3: really. I I mean I there may be one I'm forgetting, but you no, know, he doesn't even have that kind of like the ch- John Lovitz in a League of Their Own, where it's like, <laughs> okay, this is John Lovitz doing his thing, but it's in the, it's it's funny and in the middle of a good movie. Like I'm not even I'm not sure. Is, is John people, Lovitz
2: in in The Brave Little Toaster, or is is that someone doing a John Lovitz I, impression?
0: I,
3: I, I think it's Lovitz. I'm not sure.
2: Okay. Okay. John
0: Lovitz was. uh, He was also in. What was? Oh God. What was the movie? Um, the really awful one. Not like (laughs) so many. Not awful in a bad way. Awful in in like a.
3: (laughs) Oh, oh. happiness. Yes,
0: that's the one. You know what I'm talking about. Not awful quality wise. Just,
3: just uh, yeah. yeah. Off-putting.
0: <laughs> he's got the well, one where he's like, you think I'm trash, you're trash. Yeah, yeah.
3: This, this gift is for someone who really appreciates me, yeah. Well, that's what's interesting to me about Sandler is that he has, he's made a lot of, you know, I, I look at, you know, these comedian guys who I like and, and who have made a ton of movies. Sandler right. doesn't have the best track record in terms of comedies in that he's made a lot of really shitty ones. But, He's also kind of quietly built up, you know, he's like, so you look at, okay, now I don't know how people feel about funny people, but I really like it. So there's Punch Drunk Love and Funny People, Meyer with Stories, Uncut Gems, and, you know, some of his comedies are also good. That's a pretty strong, I mean, that's more good, quote unquote, serious movies than, you know, I would say like Will Ferrell, for example, has made much better comedies than Sandler. You know, the best three or four sure. Ferrell comedies are much better than any of Sandler's comedies, um, sure. but, but Ferrell, and I think Ferrell is a perfectly capable dramatic actor, but he's never really made a, like a kind of you know, uh, again for lack of a, for a oversimplifying term, serious movie that's as good as any of those you know best three yeah. or four standard ones. And you yeah, you, know, you look at someone like Spader, Lovitz who have been maybe appeared in good movies or in, in, uh, by happenstance or whatever else, but have never really you know they don't have a run of like three. Or Even Mike Myers, who I, I mentioned earlier as being like feeling like the the main guy, you know, coming out of Wayne's World, he was like the best snl movie guy
2: is austin powers not serious
3: well, <laughs> well i mean you know studio I, 54 I, baby it's rolling austin powers uh for his comedies but he's you know he's done a couple you know i guess he, him being in, in glorious bastards which weirdly sandler was supposed to be in uh would count towards his like unquote mm. serious movie thing but you Mohamed know
2: he man rhapsody yeah yeah yeah
3: exactly like well and that's and that's
2: oh, wow crummy
3: one uh yeah so I, I'm impressed that Sandler – I feel like of anyone who was on SNL in the whole of the 90s, Sandler probably has made the best movies out of any of them maybe.
2: Well, the other hmm. thing that that you're, you touched on a little bit that I thought you were alluding to at first was the fact that he's just gained a reputation. Like he has a major Netflix deal um, right now that just basically gives him – carte blanche to to make movies with whatever kind of budget he wants with whatever location he wants (laughs) and uh you know people turn out and go watch those movies uh whether it's at the theater or whether it's through the netflix app or whatever you want but i mean he is a draw um maybe not enough in the in the normal commercial sense of like you know uh what uh pixels or whatever that that weird movie he was in a couple of years ago that i think was probably like a financial bomb but like that that movie just looked weird and it was coming on the heels of like wreck it ralph anyways and it was like yeah we we see what you're doing like we we know everybody's clued in on this like you you made this a couple of years after wreck it ralph like we get it um But which also, funnily enough, uh, there was a preview, I think, before the no, it wasn't before this film, it was before uh, Little Women, um, called Free Guy, I think, uh, with Ryan Reynolds, which also looks very much like, oh, Wreck It Mm. Ralph, wait, what are we doing this again? Surprisingly
3: influential movie, Wreck It Ralph, (laughs) (laughs) yes,
2: um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like, it Sandler just has. Has some money behind him and has some power, which is just really extraordinary based on the fact that, like, not very many people seem to, or not very much uh, critical respect is thrown his way, at least for the last few of his comedy films. Oh, yeah,
3: I mean, if you look at his, like, his box office from, like, you know, 98 through basically, I don't know, 2020. 2010 2011 it's a phenomenal track record uh la- the last few definitely pixels and didn't do that well jack and jill did okay for something that was considered like the worst thing ever but it you know not great blended didn't do very well that's why boy didn't do very well um it's not and i don't. it's not as if i, I don't think the audience are getting especially asserting uh, like J- jack and jill is not worse than grown-ups and blended is not you know uh, to me way worse than Fifty First first dates but yeah, he had, for so for whatever reason I think people just don't go to comedies as much anymore. But yeah, he had a run of like sure. fifteen years of just like he would put out a movie about every year, and it would usually make a hundred million dollars. Uh, and he, I think that that really, you know, he got a real fan base that must that must be who's watching you know murder mystery besides me because I I still hopefully I still watch his movies on Netflix in hopes that they'll be good, and the last few have been actually pretty good. But I feel like that must be who's watching murder mystery in such great numbers, and who might be you know, enticed back into the theater for something like sure. Uncut Gems where they're, where they're sort of able to sell it as like Sandler as you've never seen him or
1: haven't nah. seen him in a while anyway. It'd yeah. be so fascinating if like Sandler, like the next project he announces is just like all alt comedians like just all the Tim Heideckers and Neil Hamburgers <laughs> just like, just just go completely in the opposite direction and well, just next- And they all the end Internet's up in favorites. Hawaii and they all are there for a <laughs> couples retreat. Pim Robinson
3: John, like, John McEnroe and Shaquille O'Neal yeah. there too no his next one I mean for all I know McEnroe and Shaq are in the next one his next one is filming or was filming is like a Halloween movie for Netflix um, that sounds very much like old school Sandler like I feel like he's a he's a town goofball or misfit who like saves Halloween or some shit um,
0: from like an sound- evil developer or a devil Like
2: uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I don't know I'm, <laughs> I'm eagerly Mike Myers him. is playing the devil yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, for, for
3: all that, like Myers kind of disappears for long stretches because he's apparently such a perfectionist that only something as good as Austin Powers three. Right, he really <laughs> wants
0: to, like, drill down a character is what I saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And <laughs> okay, Sandler, well, he, and he, he like, you know, event he does stumble across some good ones, even though, you know, I think his his perceived level of quality control probably much lower than Mike Myers. But where has that gotten Mike Myers in the past 10 years?
1: True. Sure. Um. Um. Wait. Two. Two things. One is David Spade's next project is actually a drama, it from Diablo Cody for HBO about oh, no. a musician and recovering addict, strikes okay. up a friendship with a young actress in the San Fernando Valley. I hate it Known already. Cast, other than Spade. You know do, you what? Know, like, do you hate Definitely. Cody, brian
0: I am not a fan of Cody no Okay. I, that
1: Unless reminds, we're talking about that, Buffalo
0: that's... Bill Cody. In which
3: yeah. case? <laughs> big fan. <laughs> uh, that was that. So that's, that reminds me of the one kind of semi serious thing. And it's still a comedy, but Spade was uh, in the, the Netflix show Love as I mean he was in the as play, he was like the father of a child star and kind of an asshole, and he was no. still cracking no. jokes and stuff. But it was the first time I'd ever seen Spade in a context where it wasn't just like you know,
0: hey, isn't this guy?
3: look am I
2: wife? here? Yeah. Do
0: you all did? Did you guys know that the Golden Globes are happening right now? Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. No, uh, like, that one. For all we know, I um, yeah, I, I went to IMDb and it was like, hey, the Golden Globes are happening. I was like, are you kidding me, IMDb? Apparently, Missing Link just won uh, Golden Globe for Best Animated Picture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice.
1: Shit. Yeah, excited. 24.
0: Here's another That's, thing: if we wild. if we keep talking long enough. Maybe we will be able to live podcast Adam Sandler winning a Golden Globe for Best
2: Actor. Wow. Okay, that's that's some that's some weird, uh, yeah. Speaking convergence. of we have, speaking He's of like you know, Adam,
0: Adam Sandler winning anything, um, we should talk spoilers. Um, yeah, we we don't have to go too deep in the weeds, but I wanted to return to something that had been said previously, where a lot of times and i am we are now firmly in spoilers i'm about to spoil this movie we were talking about like <clears throat> how the people in this movie and in, in a lot of sandler movies react to him and are like the adults and we are supposed to understand where they're coming from and um he makes himself like the butt of the joke so that like when adina Menzel is is who who is so damn good in this movie yes. and i have to imagine she yeah. walked up to the safties like a heroin addict and was like I can't sing that fucking song one more time. You got to give me something. And they were like, "Oh my god, Adina, uh yeah, you want to be Adam Sandler's wife in this movie?" She's like, "Can I just be a a haridan and just be so cruel and so fed up with his bullshit?" And they were like,
2: "Yeah, you can do that." And she's like, "Oh, thank god." Um They were so, probably like, "What what song are you talking about?" We, we are unfamiliar. F- and <laughs> she was just like, "Fuck you guys, I'm out of here."
0: Um. So yeah. So like. So it's interesting because uh, earlier on, someone, it might have been Michael, I can't remember, said that like a lot of this movie is people reacting logically to the Sandler persona because they are fed up with his bullshit. And um, I think that the end of this movie is that perfectly because even though he has won all the money, and even though he was right about everything. He gets fucking shot in the head just because he has been so aggravating to this one gangster (laughs) that he does not give a shit about honoring his contract or getting his money. He just wants Howard Ratner's brains on the wall. Mm -hmm. And that felt really true to me. (laughs) And his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And his brother-in-law. Yeah,
3: which yeah, I I love the I love the kind of ancillary pettiness of like those guys shoot the people who are gonna get who would be getting them the money they're supposed to get, and then like do a really shitty, messy robbery. Of uh, that's, I assume, is not going to net them nearly as much money. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I mean, I, the, the amount of money that they're probably going to get out of this situation probably doesn't meet a mean or amount to a whole lot, anyways. So I think maybe they are actually getting more money than they would have because while Howard is probably going to get rich, right, pay off all his debts. That means jack shit for the gangsters involved that, that are true. just trying to collect on those debts, right? Yeah. They're they're the hired hands in that sense. That's so true. they're just like, oh, fuck. Cool. You just got rich. I, I've been shitting on you. I've been punching you. I've been doing all this bullshit to you. You're not going to give me a fucking cent, so all you're going to do is pay my boss off who's going to be pissed at me still that I, I took so long to collect this money. Right. And you know, all right, fuck you then. (laughs) Like, like you're rich. Now you're dead. So fuck you. Yeah. It
3: probably makes them matter that Sandler's, that Ratner wins.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're just like, Oh my God, all the bullshit. And this fucking guy, he actually did it. And now, it's something that I do in video games a lot, I've realized, is that um, if if like I go on a fetch quest, right? And then I come back and I'm like, here's your goddamn trinket. Give me the thing that I need. And then the character's like, oh, this is really good. But what would really help me out, I just whip out a gun and shoot them. <laughs> and then I just take what I need. And I'm like, I don't care. This is uh, usually in Fallout games. I'm like, I don't care if the whole town comes after me. I will destroy my karma because this guy just pushed me a little too far. And I remember playing Mass Effect for the first time. Sure. And someone did that to me and I pulled out my gun and tried to kill them. And my my roommate at the time is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to kill him. I'm trying to just get what I need from him through murder. And he's like, this isn't Fallout. You cannot murder him. You have to do what he says. And I just was like... Fuck that! And didn't pick up the game for another two months.
2: <laughs> uh, but all the same, uh, this like, is not was... this is not sandboxy enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like if I can't, if I literally, if if one of my options is is either like do the quest or murder this guy, I'm always gonna
1: murder that guy. It's also fun to be like, fine, we'll make a deal, and if he's still a scumbag, then shoot him in the head after you make the deal. Yes,
0: I have done that quite a few times. <laughs> My charisma is uh, all the way to the top. I get everything yeah, that I want same. from the guy. You know, it's like, give me more money. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find your like, you know, missing milk bottle or something. Give me more money. Give me more money. Give me more money. And then they're like, I don't have any more money. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're good then. And then I just kill them and take what I wanted anyway, just because I wanted the power trip of knowing that I could talk them into giving me everything they had. Oh boy, so anyway, it's going to be
1: really damning when you murder that person, Brian. <laughs> That, that person I don't know who it is Alex Ross Perry <laughs> oh my <laughs> he's never gonna guess now <laughs> no he's
0: gonna be a, he's gonna be a guest on here where it's gonna be great we're gonna become best friends Um, what was I gonna say Uh, oh something else about his nonsense in this movie and how much oh, you're just like coming. I can't I can't believe that this guy oh it's just so like like I was saying, with the 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 craziness of this movie, like he makes the first bet, wins, and then he finds out that his brother in law, who is his loan shark, canceled his bet just to yeah. get that money. And then he's like, "Oh my God, Arno! Like, why would you do that? Like, this is like I had all the money for us." And then six hundred grand is what it was. Oh my God! It was so it's so crazy. And just and then like the fact that you then see him at the Seder dinner and you're like oh they're related that's great yeah
2: (laughs) that's that's such a good reveal that's like that he he even teases him at at the dinner party as well he's like you know. he's coming out of the bathroom and Arlo's going in and, or Arno is going in and he's like, he's like not so tough anymore without your goons around, are you? And he's just like, just let me go to go piss at this toilet. Like get, get the fuck out of here. It's just so good. He, he just looks like he, he had like the sourest milk imaginable <laughs> the entire time he's there because he's just looking at his brother-in-law and just being like ah this
1: <laughs> fucking guy it's such a nice touch too that nobody in the family likes the brother-in-law or <laughs> likes arno like mm-hmm. like he's talking to you know gooey his uh i don't know what relation that is but you know he's telling him about the opal and everything and he's just like you're your daughter didn't marry <laughs> like, like everybody in the family is just kind of like tolerates Arno, <laughs> which, which is just a, which is even better, you know, w- when the auction comes up and everything.
0: Oh, uh, the auction. Yeah. And, and like like Keith Stanfield just disappearing when yes. they go to Philly and all like just everything <laughs> yeah. in this movie is like that. And, and, and then I don't know, this can be almost like the question to go out on. When he wins that bet, did you think that he would get murdered immediately after? Or did you think that he, like, did it? Did you think that he'd won?
1: No, it was inevitable. Like, cosmic (laughs) shit was coming his way.
2: (laughs) I didn't know he was going to get killed right there. But definitely when, like, you start seeing them sweating, and the fact that the two goons do not give a fuck about the game at all. And Arno starts to kind of perk up and is like, wait, wait, wait. So, so he just hit two of those three and,
1: Yeah, like, is he gonna- and,
2: and Sandler, Sandler's just fucking like going crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. And he's just like, wait, so he just hit two of those three and the other guys are just like, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, whoa, like y'all don't give a fuck about this. And it, again, it goes back to what I said. They're there to do a job. if, sandler's character gets rich that doesn't benefit them at all all they want is for him to have the money that he owes that's it period they don't give a fuck about how he comes up with it or if he gets more or less they just want they're looking for that magic number period end of conversation that's it you know Um, so yeah, they, of course, you know, they're, they've, he's probably been sitting there for what, a couple of hours at least while this game is going on. What, I mean, what's an NBA game? I think it's like a three with the three and a half hour, you know, ordeal. So yeah, they've been watching, they've been sitting in non AC, (laughs) like center section of a, of a room and just like, cannot do anything and yeah they're they're probably really 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 pissed off according to
0: (laughs) google the average wall clock duration of a typical nba game is two to two and a half hours two to two and a half hours okay even though it is four quarters of 12 minutes
2: each yes
1: yeah yeah i I love how bill is building a persuasive argument that howard should have died
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think
0: i'm there for it i I agree with it i thought that he did it i was like i kind of hate the fact that he won and then he gets shot and again it is not because he doesn't have the money it is not because of anything the guy legitimately says something along the lines of like i just fucking hate this guy
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. well yeah i think it's it's very instructive that you see the kind of, when we mentioned the the process of Arno sort of, like, getting into it, being like, sure. Arno starts getting a little impressed, he's going, like, oh, wow, like, this, he's, you know, he can't help, but he probably has at least some residual, if not affection, rooting interest in Howard actually just, you know, he just wants his fucking money, like, you know, uh, and he's, he's, like, thinking, wow, he's actually going to be able to do this, and it's instructive to me that, of course, You could easy as a viewer too to get caught up in like oh wow holy shit he's gonna do it like I was kind of I was rooting for him (laughs) to win sure you know why 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 wouldn't you you want I want Julia Fox to get that money, Uh, but it's instructive that the, the other two people who you're not focusing as much on in, the, in that scene yeah of course they're completely fed up they don't they're not getting invested they're just they you know as, as as much as you might get some rooting interest from one person you're really royally pissing off two other people <laughs> uh, which i think is probably true both of the kind of audience dynamics of the movie and just is very true to the story that they're telling
2: no uh, again uh, back to your question brian i knew he was going to have something happen to him um but to be honest really honest i thought it was going to happen to julia um i was really Mm. feeling i was kind of
0: happy that that didn't happen i was worried that like that like something happening to her would be the thing that happened to to howard right Mm -hmm. yep and i think it's smart that she he gets away with everything did you
3: guys you guys i mean it's kind of immaterial to the story but like in my head canon she escapes and i mean she obviously escapes but like that no one tracks her down and she becomes fabulously wealthy do you guys think that actually happens
0: i think she is smart enough to
1: pull that off yes
3: yeah yeah
2: yeah i yeah,
1: I, I think the film really loves her as is not only you know a, a love interest but someone who it like Cares about, and weirdly, I think the scene that fully cemented that for me was when they're having their screaming argument outside, when Howard is accusing her of doing something with the weekend, and the camera follows her back, and yeah. I feel like that's such an an affectionate um affectionate sequence even
0: is yeah like, it's like the one time that the, the camera leaves leaves it. howard is, is for yeah, her. yeah. i
1: love
0: i'm gonna every time that i am going to dismissively say goodbye to someone i am going to tell them to go fuck the weekend <laughs> <laughs> um i thought i had one more question and now i can't remember what it was so uh, does anyone else have any final thoughts on this, this film that we've spent so much time talking about now?
1: I know he's uh, like the Safties have kind of become synonymous with OPN at this point with this and good time. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Did you guys have any general thoughts about the soundtrack uh, about the sound design in this? I mean, that's just such a big part of Safty's film. Oh, yeah. I mean, point. like I feel like when we were talking about the
0: ADR and everything, like, you know, this, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important. Oh, I remember my question. Will, the Safties ever have a character like this that they allow to live to
2: the end of the movie. <laughs> Wait, Does are you, just... are, is that spoilers? <laughs> yeah. Uh kind uh, of. Yeah. It's spoilers for, for to a, all...
0: for all their other films, I guess, or yeah, just yeah. at least the one that I have seen. But yeah, I mean
2: Yeah.
0: You should have seen Good Time already. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Go see I Good Time. I usually feel like by well, the time uh, the director like, has like, put uh, out all another all film, all the spoilers for their last film are on the table. Ah.
2: <laughs> that's just
0: my uh, auteur theory brain going
2: to to be fair i think all of these people getting hit by a bus is just one of those things that you expect at the end of all of these movies like like you do not (laughs) expect them to live like that's that's not the scenario (laughs) that that is playing out on screen you know Mm -hmm. um yeah uh what was i gonna mention um Oh, I was going to talk about the end of this movie, but yeah, no, we, 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 we've done that. Um, no, I, I, how did, how did y'all like, uh, some of the other people in this film? Uh, some of the non-actors. I mean, we already talked about Phil played by, uh, Keith Williams Richards. Um, how'd y'all feel about, uh, Kevin Garnett? I mean, he's good for what he's
0: doing in there. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I think he's, he's really good at, uh, communicating like a sense of like visible frustration without it feeling strained. Like I, I thought it was very convincing how he acted. And and I think that that scene he has with Howard near the end, right before yes. he makes the biggest bet, uh-huh. like, it, like he really, really delivers the hell out of that scene. And it's, you know, Howard just right going there.
0: on and on about like, you know, this is what yeah. we do. Like you, you do this and I do this and this is how I win. Like yes, so, he's the scene yeah. partner
3: in Sandler is basically what must looks like Sandler's Oscar clip. So sure. I feel like yeah, that's that's pretty impressive on Garnett's end.
0: I also his reaction to the Furby is great. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so I I watched this at Alamo, which also had a uh, they did a couple of things for this. So they they always or usually put together like a custom clip show before movies, especially movies you know dirt pack movies like this where there's like <laughs> it's like oh yes like we could put up some interesting clips and they had like the top 10 like most ridiculous uh chain uh like rapper chains and how much each one was worth and all of this stuff and just talking about like who created all of this and uh you know had Interviews with all of the rappers that were on like the top 10 and talking about like why they got the chain they did and and all this stuff. And some of the amount of money that some of these people spend on these ridiculous yeah. like jewelry pieces is outrageous. I think I saw somewhere like I think the most was like a couple of million dollars, but most of them were like five hundred thousand dollars and above. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you you know, have not, a house on your neck, like that is insane. a very
0: fucking nice house. Yes, like yes. you know, yeah. Again, yeah, I, I've li- I've lived around inflated DC prices for a while, but yeah, five hundred thousand still gets you a damn good house.
2: Yeah, and, and anywhere but uh, LA and San Francisco, you get you get a pretty damn good house. Um, but no, uh, the, the other thing that they had uh, in their lobby before one of their showings of good time was <laughs> bedazzle your Furby. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> so, That's awesome.
2: So, yeah. And they said this is the most fun we've had, but also the worst thing we've ever done. (laughs) Never do this again. (laughs) Like this is really creepy. And so, yeah, uh, those, those little Furbies, that's, that's definitely like his calling card in this film. And I feel like it's, it's just so it's, it's just so good. Like, and then that, that the eyes move. And of course, you know, that's spoiled a little bit in the trailers, but when he makes the eyes move for them and you just see their reaction, you're just like, you get it. You get why Howard is the way that he is because he's, he's a salesman, you know, um, he's able to, to pitch anybody on anything, but, you know, every now and then people kind of see through his bullshit or he just owes people money too much. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm real tired of you. So
0: and he's clearly yeah. doing well. He's got that great house that's, I guess, in Long Island. And then he's also got that really nice apartment. Actually, I should say that's the tackiest fucking shit apartment. Yeah. yeah. But it's a good it's a well-located apartment. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh yeah, that's it uncut gems out in theaters now clearly we all think you should check it out it's a it's a great movie we have sadly not gone on long enough that the golden globes will tell us if sadler has won (laughs) (laughs) the last person to win according to imdb was olivia coleman for the crown best performance by an actress in a television series drama
2: she's she's had a hell of a 2019
0: yes yes yeah, she won the Academy I, I Award mean, last year, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is five days into 2020, but you know, eh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and her and her watch.
0: 2019 win was for a 2018 movie, right? Yep, The Favorite. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yep. I hate yep. I hate the fact that all these things are like you know the winner of the 2020 Academy Award, and it's like for a movie that came out
2: last year. Well, all right, all right. it's it's the same confusing shit that happens in in basketball it ha- or yeah uh well at least uh college basketball and it's the same thing with like college football and the Super Bowl and it's like the winner of the 2019 season is the winner that won in 2020, and you're like, what? Huh? What's going on? Can can we not put these things in calendar <laughs> calendar year? Like, what what the fuck is going on here?
0: Yeah, the but, Oscars should happen on December 31st.
2: Are you guys
3: gonna uh, maybe try to set like a six way parlay Oscar bet? On <laughs> what,
1: yeah. What so is, um, who's gonna win? My, yeah. This is my final question. Do you guys think Uncut Uncut Jumps has a real chance at the oscars as much as we don't give a shit about the oscars <laughs> um i don't think so in all honesty
3: i don't i don't yeah i don't think so in the in the i think sandler has a shot at, at sneaking in there nomination wise for best actor i feel like there might be a feeling of you know this guy's working hard and he's yeah. you know but in the industry he seems I like he's think that seems that he like
0: he wants it too bad i like or or that like the 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 uh the marketing has made it seem like he wants it too bad you know uh-huh I'm he's worried gonna about He's going to make that. Grown Ups 3 then. <laughs> I know. He's, uh, what was his thing? Like, if he doesn't get an Oscar, he's going to make a really bad movie on purpose? Yeah, to <laughs> punish everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it might get some below the line stuff. I think that otherwise, like, this is not the type of movie that gets Oscar attention. No,
3: the blue hairs aren't going to be able to stand it. But they no, might. I'm
0: assuming that it's going to be like little women and I don't know. How to, uh, not how to, <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, for yeah. BP, for, for VPs, you're saying? For everything. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I don't know. Like, what? I uh, 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 did not expect to be making Oscar no, predictions I know, on we're this.
1: We're done. We're done. We're done. I just, I just think, in terms of
0: movies that are going to get a lot of attention of any kind of awards, it's going to be, it's like you said, like the blue hairs thing. It's going to be like, sure. oh, Little Women was so wonderful. <laughs> I think I, I do think uh, Billy Joel's the stranger
3: will somehow sneak in there for best song. <laughs> I realize that it's
0: it's not it's an original 40, 50 years
3: old, but it's I think I think it'll be it was so well used in uncut gems, I think they're gonna they're gonna defy convention, it's gonna be nominated.
1: Just breaking all the rules. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Maybe we should have like an actual Oscar podcast. No, where we no, just like we no, literally no, no, we, really, we really have to narrow it down and try to be right. I was kidding. I was kidding. No, Brian.
1: because then I have to watch the Oscars. I'm not doing that.
0: (laughs) You don't have to watch it. You just have to like see the tweets. Oh boy. I'm not watching the Golden Globes, and I still know that Patricia Arquette won for best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series, limited series, or motion picture made for television. You guys could also just
3: do one before where you do predictions. That's sometimes more fun. So right, well, that's what one, I meant. Telecast.
0: Yeah. No, that's what I was talking about. We actually have to, like, sit down and try to be right. <laughs> yes. And then me. whoever wins, I don't know, doesn't get shot by a mobster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yes, but the spread is going to be great. I'm assuming that the Best Picture winner will, will speak for at least two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to lay 500 bucks on that.
3: Yeah, the director, the producer, who's going to win the tip?
0: Yeah, exactly. Who's who? The, the tip, which which in this case will be who gets to talk into the microphone first? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. that's on length of acceptance speeches would be... Oh man, that'd be good.
0: <laughs> What's the over/under on Leonardo DiCaprio's acceptance speech? Anyway, uh, I think quick. all right. <laughs> now I'm thinking of all the different things that you could do for like the Oscars oh, for betting. No, it's like which one's going to win the most? Which one's going to win the most below the line? Which one's going to win the most talent stuff? Oh god, terrible. Post anyway, host? I don't know, <laughs> Ricky Gervais. <Cheers.
1: laughs>
2: It is. It's funny that you're laughing about that, but it is. <laughs>
1: what? Wait, are you? Jo- is, is this the first time that Golden Globes and Oscar hosts? No, them? no, he's, he's only hosting the
3: Globes. I don't. I don't think anyone's hosting the Oscars again. I think they're going hostless again.
1: Oh, what? interesting. Uh, okay. I think the Muppets should do it. Um,
3: yes, they. They for sure should. That would be perfect.
1: Yes. I. I think they should say no. They're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's it. I uh, hope you all have
0: enjoyed listening to us talk about Uncut Gems. Um, don't forget that we were brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema. Um, on MUBI right now, they've got Francis Ford Coppola's Reignite Cinema, which has got some great stuff. They've got The Draftman's Contract by Peter Greenaway, which sounds like a just real fun time at the movies, and The Return, which Michael Snydell had talked about earlier. You can get a free 30-day trial by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, it is mubi.com slash filmstage. Don't forget to also go to patreon.com slash the filmstage show to give us your money. And uh yeah, that's it. Uh so let's uh Michael, what are we talking about next week? Uh, probably
2: little women. Little women, baby.
0: We're not gonna talk about underwater
2: uh what was
1: that? i do kind of want to see underwater honestly uh wait is that damn the Christian
2: stewart. stewart yeah oh. yeah it's also got
0: tj miller in, like, in it too though so you yeah, gotta like yeah. weigh that shit and
1: vincent gallo <laughs> randomly yeah oh, he's in Tetro. gallo uh what's
2: his name
0: yes okay um when are we talking about A Hidden Life? I'm fucking tired of not having talked about A Hidden Life. Two weeks. Two week. I don't uh, know, Brian. Hey, Why you, are you doing this you to me? do this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next you, week. You all the planning. No, that sounds like hell. Um, <laughs> Next week, we're talking about Little Women. Look forward to that. Um, Let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and then. Uh, Jesse Asinger
3: you can find me on twitter at rockmarooned, or you can just go to the av club and click around on the movie stuff i'm usually there
0: all right bill graham oh bill Uh-oh. did we lose bill at the at the 11th hour <laughs> bill graham oh christ all right well bill can be found mixing it up in the slack channel where he's still trying to get threads <laughs> to be a thing and he can also be found on Twitter at cablebfg Michael Snydell.
1: You can find me on Twitter at at Snidell. Um I don't. I'm making sure I do not have any pieces that are going up this week. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll be reviewing things more. I'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm also on uh, also on Letterbox under my name. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's a really bad place right now, but I am on Twitter still. So. Because the
0: globes are happening?
1: No, more because World War Three.
0: <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I, th- I feel like World War Three should extend beyond Twitter.
1: <laughs> you, would, you would think so, but it's actually only on Twitter. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Hello? Hey, he's back. I already plugged you, <laughs> Bill.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard. Okay, I great. Was, I was frustratingly listening to that, and I was like, "That is accurate. Everything <laughs> that you're saying is accurate."
0: Oh man, I can be found meanwhile on uh, Twitter, uh, fighting World War III. Apparently, uh, at Brian J. Rowan. That's the same for all of my other sites as well. So check that out. And um, yeah, uh, this ep- this episode. <laughs> If you're already listening to to the end for some reason uh all episodes of this podcast are located at the filmstage.com so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time there may come a time when a last needs a lawyer but diamonds are a girl's best friend there may
3: come a time when a-